Hello and welcome to Geek Between the Lines, the podcast that explores compelling themes in some of our favorite geeky properties. I'm Chris. I'm Brittany. On this episode, we'll be discussing Avatar The Last Airbender and The Legend of Korra through the theme of greed. So this is this is an exciting one. <laughs> this is just going to be like, gimme. Gimme. There you go. <laughs> Hashtag, Hashtag gimme. gimme. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> so... We, we try not to be greedy in our day-to-day lives. I don't think either of us is very much a greedy person. What is one thing that you can be greedy about? I can sometimes be greedy with food. <laughs> I'm not, like, gluttonous. I'm not going to, like, necessarily, like, overeat. But especially when it comes to sweets, it's like, you don't like that as well. I want to eat it all. <laughs> you said that to me. Yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> or I've been like, can I have a bite? And you'll just give me a, the saddest face in the world. <laughs> like I've hurt you in some way. I've personally wronged you by asking. <laughs> <laughs> yes. My sister has a story from when we were children and I would go into this designated drawer that no one was supposed to go in. It was like our special drawer. And like... <laughs> apparently i would go in and i would get halloween candy and i would eat it from hers but then she got mad at me and i was like oh i guess i'm not supposed to do that <laughs> so then i would go in and i would get it and i would bring it to her and do a really sad face so then you just manipulate her instead of just doing it she without her knowing gave it willingly <laughs> after you manipulated her <laughs> After I showed her on my face how much I wanted it. <laughs> Sounds pretty manipulative. Yes, I'm glad we're in accordance. <laughs> yes, I was going to say, I'm a I was a child, and then I'm like, ah, I can do the same thing now. <laughs> yes, indeed. Yes, indeed. <laughs> well, what about you? I am probably greediest on things that, like... I both enjoy and think that I'm, like, better at or more suited for. Like, I'm thinking of okay. specifically, like, when I'm playing video games with people or mm-hmm. if I'm playing a board game or something. And there's something that's maybe difficult to cross or whatever. When I feel like not only do I want to do this thing, but also, like, I can do this in a way that might be better than others, I am the one mm-hmm. who, like, wants to to do it. And I feel like I... I I've regretted in the past not being more like, oh, I wasn't doing a great job of making sure everyone was having a good time or whatever else it might be mm-hmm. uh, in those kinds of situations. So so you employ geeky greed. Yes. Yes. Geeky greed. <laughs> cool. Woo. Woo. Well, today we have a quote mm-hmm. from Avatar The Last Airbender, the final episode, I believe, of Avatar The Last Airbender. Actually, I think it's the second to last episode. Okay. Well, uh, certainly in book three, Fire, and this is a, uh, a conversation between Aang and Fire Lord Ozai, or I guess at this point, the Phoenix King Ozai. <laughs> yes, <laughs> true. <laughs> uh, uh, when, they, when they first meet in confrontation, and Aang being the first person to speak, as I imagine you will notice based off of what they say. But Aang and the Fire Lord are like the same person. Yeah, I know, right? You, it, it might be difficult to parse for some, but I think most will be able to figure it out. Okay. Please listen to me. We don't have to fight. You have the power to end it here and stop what you're doing. You're right. I do have the power. 
I have all the power in the world! <laughs> and then it says, fire erupts from his mouth and hands. So you can just imagine. That happened here. It did happen here. You just here. can't see. I wanted to. Radio. Exactly. Yeah. Precisely. So listeners, I hope that you get that visual picture as well. Yeah. yeah. Luckily, I'm an avatar, so it didn't burn me. Yeah. <laughs> and is lucky. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but yeah, so I think this is a, a good quote of of the least greedy and most greedy people <laughs> in the series communicating. <laughs> All right. <laughs> yes. And I think, yeah, Fire Lord Ozai and him and his power. He is, he is a greedy person. I mean, I think Aang had a maybe a tiny bit of greed when it came to attention on Kyoshi Island, mm-hmm. right? But that was like it. Mm-hmm. And then he was like, okay, I'm done with that. That didn't work out so well for me. Yeah. I'm not <laughs> saying he's he's completely immune to greed, but yeah. I think compared to any other character, he yeah. is less motivated by, by personal wants than anyone else other than, you know, his big regret, which mm-hmm. is running away. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, Aang. No ang, but we're 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 going into analysis now, which is too fast. We need to oh, no. go step by step. So, what what character did you bring for us? Okay, so I brought a character from Legend of Korra. Oh, season two, oh. which I know is not your favorite season. It is not. It's not my favorite season, but it's good to look at things with new eyes. Oh, and absolutely. See if there's other things to appreciate. So, okay, the big bad of that season is Unalak, mm-hmm. right? So I thought it's interesting because he actually complains, like, before you know that he's evil, he complains about greed and that it kind of surrounds this glacier spirit festival that used to be about meditation and, like, communing with the spirits and now has turned to commercialism. So it's turned into a big festival where there's a bunch of merchants selling goods and festival people games playing and... games and winning prizes and and they don't really have any of the roots of what it started as. Mm-hmm. And I honestly sympathize with that uh, coming, well, being a Christian with 7,000 asterisks after that. It's interesting for me to like live here in the u.s in a society where there are a lot of holidays that are centered around like christian things but now they're just completely commercialized you Mm -hmm. know like saint patrick's day like valentine's day easter obviously christmas and small small religious holiday called christmas yeah Yeah, just that little one (laughs) and and so like i i do sympathize with that has commercialism just taken over something that used to be meaningful for the people who celebrated it, mm-hmm. right? But we later find out also that this character, Unalak, he is super greedy when it comes to power, mm-hmm. right? So I don't know. I just thought it was kind of interesting and I was kind of just wondering about, like, is he just com- kind of completely oblivious to his own greed, Hmm. Or does he kind of know others would criticize him for his greed? And so he kind of like criticizes first, Mm. right? He points the finger first at people being greedy. Because I feel like those are common things in 
the real world, where people oftentimes criticize others for the very same things that they do themselves, you know? And sometimes it's just like, do you not see that you are doing this yourself, you know? So yeah, I don't know. It was just kind of interesting. Yeah, I can see that. I definitely feel like it's interesting because it is congruent with the rest of his character, right? Where Mm -hmm. these are complaints that I believe he actually has. Yeah. And they are legitimate complaints. But I definitely see, I mean, talking about manipulation, like he is pointing these out to get Korra on his side. And he is making enemies so that he can then be justified in what he does against them. Yeah, for his, his own purposes. Because while his purposes may be an ideology that he believes in, that ideology still places him at the center. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. And and it's interesting because he's, like, criticizing because it's like, oh, you all aren't caring and, like, prioritizing the spirits and what this used to be, and this used to be a spiritual time. I care so much about the spirits, but... I'm happy to destroy some if they would prevent me from having power and then I'll like commune with the one that'll give me more power Mm. and so that I can monopolize the power and control the other spirits. So it's like he's also doing a sacrilege, but just in a different way. Yeah. 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 Very interesting. Yeah. Hmm. Maybe maybe I'll go back and rewatch season two and, and try to see... More of that nuance. (laughs) Maybe you will. Maybe. (laughs) (laughs) So what is the plot that you have for me? The plot that I'm bringing is... is (laughs) I love that I've said, what's the plot that you have for me? And you're like, the plot that I'm bringing. And I'm like, oh, I guess that was a greedy way to say it. What do you have for me? Not the listeners. (laughs) Me. The plot I'm bringing for everyone... (laughs) is something that we see through flashbacks and it is the beginnings of the fire nation's imperial designs um, mm-hmm. that when we see in the flashbacks of sozin and and avatar roku because i think similar to to what we see with unalak we see some interesting nuances with sozin's initial attempts to expand right he mm-hmm. says that he that, that that the fire nation is seeing you know, unprecedented progress. And that's something that he wants to share with the rest of the world, right? <laughs> but to do that, he, he desires conquest, not not sharing, but forcing upon. And mm-hmm. there's definitely some very interesting parallels to colonialization of the West, you know, as they, mm-hmm. they modernize in a very specific way. They said that any other kind of modernity is, is inappropriate compared to that type. But I think that it's interesting to see how he can have these these kind of, similarly to, to Unalak, he can have these ideas that are in some way trying to seek goodness, right? It's a, a warped version of goodness, but it is a selfish and greedy version of goodness. And I think that, that, that greed especially comes to light because after Roku tells him he can't expand, he's stuck in that limbo state until he kill, or he allows Roku to die right? Mm -hmm. And then he decides to commit genocide against the airbenders Mm -hmm. because of the next avatar as a threat. And there I see any sense of whatever his goals being compassionate or giving or not centered around his own greed for power completely destroyed because he is not here attempting to 
give that kind of progress to the airbenders. He mm. is wiping them out of existence. And yeah. I think that that's, that's just really, yeah, just a very interesting way of seeing greed and seeing, uh, and, and particularly in, you know, right now I'm, I'm in graduate school and I'm taking a class on fascism and authoritarianism. And I mm-hmm. see some interesting parallels because, you know, you know when, as I was studying up on this, I, I was reminded and I read about how he took away education or he, he altered education in the Fire Nation, right? Which we see when Aang mm-hmm. goes, goes back to school, uh, how he built a cult of personality around himself as the Fire Lord and his family, how mm-hmm. he did these things that was all about consolidating power. And oh, and he also developed a enemy for the people, right? Something that the people can then support him in the state in honor of an enemy to fight and expansion for the Fire Nation. So this mm-hmm. increased nationalism and nationalism that is always in opposition to something. For him, the Avatar or the Air Nomads or whatever else it might be. But he uses these similar tactics that fascist governments have used in, in our world. And so I just think it's, mm-hmm. it's a very interesting way of seeing these kinds of tactics to consolidate power and ultimately that desire being for power. Whatever you claim it might be, he makes his decisions based off of his own greed, not on whatever ideology he may have professed. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, <laughs> look at uh, Sozin as a fascist. I never really thought about that before. I mean, I will I mean, be honest, yeah. uh, taking this class, I start seeing fascism lots of places I didn't places. see it before. Yeah. Uh, unfortunately, we also live in a world where it's pretty easy to see mm-hmm. continuities of that around, which is uh, unfortunate, but yeah, but yes. For sure. Yes. Well, do you have a compelling question for me on greed in Avatar? I do. So I'm wondering, what role do you think greed had in Azula's downfall? Hmm, interesting. I think there definitely was some some greed and some desire for power, right? Mm-hmm. She got the title of Fire Lord, but she didn't like the fact that her father... It's not like he was giving her actual power, right? He was still giving her power underneath him, becoming the, the Phoenix King or what have you. Mm-hmm. And at the same time, I don't know what that that looked like for her because she was willing to burn everything down around her for that power, right? And so was it greed for power? But if it's power that is over nothing, is that greed you know because it's not something that she can utilize at that point it's not something that she can use or consume or or, or any of the other things that we tend to associate with greediness so so yeah I, d- I don't know if if it was greed or if it was more something like lust or obsession with power and control and an inability to cope with the fact that she was losing <laughs> that control mm-hmm. in so many ways what do you think yeah, I don't know. I was I was thinking about it because I know before I think I think the first topic we ever discussed for Avatar was doubt. And I remember we talked about if if Azula would have had her her downfall if she had grown up doubting herself more hmm. versus been like so confident in herself. But now I was looking at it from a different lens of 
was part of her downfall, was like kind of her cracking at the end based on an idea of greed because she needs, like she wants to have power over people and she wants to be able to control them. But because of her paranoia that she developed, she sent everybody away so that she no longer could satisfy that greed, Hmm. right? She had the greed for power, but if there's no one around you, you don't have that power anymore. And so I was kind of thinking about maybe that's one of the reasons that even she had the different like paranoia that was starting to creep up based on the betrayal of these two people that she assumed would always follow her. Mm -hmm. Maybe we consider friends. I'm not really sure about that. The closest she has to them, certainly. Exactly. And so it's like you, you have one layer there, but yeah, I wonder how much was like this added strain of what she's been clawing after her entire life, power and power and power. Finally, she has the title, but she has no power. Hmm. Yeah, I mean, she's certainly her own worst enemy. And I think seeing that through greed and because she she has these desires, but she also gets her own way of fulfilling them. And be, yeah, and maybe because her greed is so intense and her, her desires are so intense, the fact that she is preventing them is what ultimately leads to her downfall. Mm-hmm. Very interesting. Yeah. Well, my question for you is, how do you see culture and in particular culture tied to forms of government within the world of Avatar affecting greed of people and leaders? So in in the original series, we see a few different forms of government. You know, we see the air nomads, which are kind of a religious type of of, of hierarchy. Then we see the Earth Kingdom, which seems to have kind of city-states as well. We see the tribes, um, which have kind of an elder council type of, of leadership. And then obviously the imperial power of the uh, Fire Nation. And then in Korra, we see Republic City as a republic, I imagine. <laughs> and we see the rise of a military dictatorship in the Earth Kingdom in the last season, right? So we see these different kinds of of government styles and within those we see different leaders and we also see different people within those communities and so i wonder if you see that those kinds of structures having a message in avatar about how it leads to it can or cannot lead to greed in the people hmm it's interesting because yeah it's one of those questions is the greed what leads to that form of government or is the form of government what fosters more greed Mm -hmm. i think throughout history whether you're you know people are living according to tenets of a religion that doesn't necessarily mean that they're not going to conquest Right. right and the same goes for a republic or i mean obviously in a dictator structure but i think It seemed very much like the air nomads were not greedy. Mm -hmm. I think the water tribes, we only really saw them as oppressed people. So it's a little harder to know. Well, obviously, they kind of revitalized in, in Legend of Korra. But you still do see greed even within the structure in terms of patriarchy. So... 
for example. Katara has, you know, she she has these powers. She wants to learn waterbending and the, uh, what, <laughs> what did you call him? Master Poopoo Head or whatever. <laughs> I think that <laughs> was Aang's right. name for yeah. him. Um, because he refused to teach her at first because he's like, oh, you're a woman. You have to learn just how to heal. Obviously, he was keeping any type of combat skills to the men, mm-hmm. right? And that that is greedy because that comes with power. So you have that and then... I don't know. I, 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 we didn't get to see a ton of the Fire Nation people, mm-hmm. so it's a little hard to know. I think you saw children there, and they just kind of seem like children anywhere. Yeah, it didn't really seem to necessarily affect them in greed in the same ways, because they were taught and they just believed that like this is the best thing for the world. Yeah. We are spreading technology and education and, like, all these things. Like, this was the narrative that they were told. And so, yeah, these these kids I didn't really see more greed in than any other nation's kids. Mm-hmm. And then the Earth nation is just, or there's so many people everywhere that it's kind of hard to... It's, yeah. yeah. Obviously, there's some greed in Bossing Say mm-hmm. among, like the top because of how their society was stratified yeah and there was definite gaps between the rich and the poor so yeah i think probably you find greedy people in all of them but to me it would make sense that some governmental systems would lend itself to fostering more greed than Mm -hmm. others yeah, I think that, that you hit on, I think, one of the important points of these children in the Fire Nation are socialized into something that is, at its heart, greedy. And it, it, this in no way excuses someone who takes part in a colonial mindset or colonial regime. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But it does explain why that is able to happen, and most people do not question it, right? Mm-hmm. Because it is seen as as normal, and and there is a a element of ethics there. There's a yeah. morality that's built and that's that's created and socialized to say that this is good in some way, and mm-hmm. that that morality can be because of a greater good. It can be because of you only highlight the good to your nation or to your family or to whatever it might be. But there is some sort of value system there where they do not believe they are doing wrong, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And I think that, yeah, there are certain structures that, that do that in certain ways. I think Bossing Say also is a, is a really interesting example because there's a greed in power, certainly. And obviously, they, they're fairly well off until it falls, but they are not expansive. They are manipulative and building these socialized narratives in order to quell the population and, and let them not know what was going on, not in order to like incite fervor or in, not to take things. So that's very interesting as well. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And I think the Water Tribe, we don't see a lot of expansion in those areas. And, and I wonder how much that is because of, you know, at least narratively, that is seen more like a family, you know? Like there's familial connections that are really highlighted throughout the, the episodes that they're in the Water Tribe, both the North and the South. And is greed different when you're looking at something as what you need for the nation versus what you need for your family or for your extended family? Because your your family needs to survive and hopefully find happiness and things like that. 
your nation needs materials. It needs, you know, in some cases, expansion. It, it is uh, defined in opposition to other nations and, and, and other things. And so it's just a different perspective of the world that, yeah, I think can, can bring about more kinds of greed. Yeah, absolutely. Although, I mean, I think that we would often kind of frame things in terms of like families it's like oh well they're just looking out for each other that Mm -hmm. means it's not greedy but that doesn't mean that that's true True. of course (laughs) because i think like especially growing up in the u.s yeah obviously there is a lot of of poverty and there's a lot of struggling families for sure Mm -hmm. there's also a lot of wealth there's a lot of well i want the best for my family even if it's at the expense of these other families or these other kids or you know whatever it is it can be super greedy yeah that's true yeah well why don't we go on to our missed opportunities okay what's your missed opportunity so my missed opportunity is that we have Greed comes in different shapes and sizes, and so it can be for a kind of umbrella idea of power, but it can come down to resources, food, or uh, land, obviously money, mm-hmm. and a myriad of different ways that greed can reveal itself. Yeah, I think you bring up attention earlier with Aang was a really interesting way of looking mm-hmm. at greed, too. Mm-hmm. And so when we look at the the fire nation and and especially because we mostly see it under ozai we don't like we we get the power aspect but i think power and economics go so hand in hand that i would have liked to see that a little bit more like the economic side we see this lust for power but we don't necessarily see part of that reason being that you have more than others and you want to maintain you having more even though you have way more than you could ever need. I think that that could have been really good to add in there and I think also even to add in you know once you get to Legend of Korra again most of the time we don't we don't deal with economics like you see a little bit of that with Varric and he's like this entrepreneur and he loves his enormous yacht and you know all of these things Mm -hmm. right and see you you do see a little bit of the like the monetary greed and you're starting to understand some of the economic things but i I just think that they could have done more and and brought that in yeah yeah i can see that what about you what do you what do you see missing i wish we could have seen more of the conflict between teen avatar be around greed and personal desires I think the one place that we do see it is with Katara and Sokka's dad mm. and them almost leaving when they met him and then him being afraid they were going to leave and, and all these other kinds of things. But that, that, I think that's the only time that individual desires are in conflict in regards to the mission and whether the team as a whole would stay together to do that mission together, mm-hmm. right? And that there was individual desires that get in the way of that in some way in more than just like an episodic basis right where sometimes there's like oh we can we don't have to go today we can go to this festival or whatever else it might be right (laughs) excuse for hijinks of this episode essentially but i think for the most part they all stay pretty committed to the mission throughout and i think that 
I would have loved to see a bit more of where they faced conflict, where they bristled against each other when someone had a priority or a desire that wasn't being met by the group and how that's going to affect them if they're in this high-stress situation for this amount of time together. Uh, mm-hmm. I just think that would have been an interesting way of, of seeing these characters, right? If Sokka's desire for being the leader or desire for something fancy like, you know, a cool new sword or whatever else it might be would in some way move away from the mission in a way that ca- causes real conflict. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I guess that did happen a little bit with the... In the episode where they're basically using their bending to win at gambling right and so they keep getting more and more money and and Katara is against them doing this because mm-hmm. she doesn't want any attention being brought to them since everybody is supposed to be looking for the avatar and turn him in you know they they do end up being wanted and there's like posters and stuff and it really does endanger the mission and almost like they could die and whatnot that's true it's a really good example of of that exactly yeah but um, obviously that was a one episode thing, right? Yeah. So and and it was I think know. even then still so so impersonal mm-hmm. because it was just them wanting money, not mm-hmm. them wanting mm-hmm. something, you know. And, yeah. and I mean that's that's the episode he buys hockey, isn't it? Yeah. And so and and hockey is essentially useless, you know. And that's the joke <laughs> is that he was able to make this money to buy something that he really did not need at all. And I think that is, if it was something that, that they do want or need or, or desire in a way that's a little bit more powerful, would be interesting. But this does show greed, right? Oh, it's totally, They yeah. just wanted it to have it. Yeah, absolutely. So I, I think it actually was a, a, a really good example of, of seeing that greed. But I guess, yeah, my missed opportunity is that I, I think that that could have been a good example of characterization and of showing personal desires mm-hmm. in ways that that was missed a little bit in this series. Because I think they were all... Which, I, I mean, I love the fact that they're all about the mission, you know, mm-hmm, like it mm-hmm. shows how they're all good characters and they're all caring characters. But I think that it's also nice to have characters that have their own personal desires outside of that wider mission as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Let's go to our, our takeaways. Well, I think the next time I watch through either Last Airbender or Legend of Korra, I think it would be interesting, based off of your compelling question point, to see if there's any connecting ideas when I watch through again between governments and people and how different things are, yeah, kind of manifested. Yeah, similarly, I think, I, I'm, I think I'd look to see socialization. Because I think that's one of the things that the show does really well is it makes four distinct groups of people and then other groups of people that are distinct as well. You know, like the, the swamp benders and, and things like that also have their unique culture. But but not only in their movements and their bending and but like in, in their, their, their structures, but in so much of their cultural interactions, I think there are interesting differences between the, the different groups. And, and I'd, I'd be more interested in seeing how those might be socialized in different ways through the series. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, could you bring up what we'll be discussing next week when we talk about Star Wars? So we're going to talk about Pride. Pride, Pride in Star, Star Wars. Wars. Great. Probably it runs strong in the Skywalker family. <laughs> you can see certainly some pride <laughs> coming before fall some e- <laughs> even sometimes. 
Yeah. Yes. <laughs> Real falls. Yes. Literal falls. Literally falling into lava. Um, <laughs> falling off of <laughs> Cloud City. Yes. <laughs> All the falls. A, a fair few falls. <laughs> <laughs> With loss of limbs. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> All right, well, well, that's exciting. Well, until then, thanks for listening to this week's episode of Geek Between the Lines. You can find us on social media by searching for Geek Between the Lines on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, or Pinterest. You can also go to our website, bit.ly slash geekbetweenthelines, or go to our Patreon site at patreon.com slash geekbetweenthelines. As always, I want to thank Kimberly Taylor Pastel at Lacelet for designing our logo. You can find her designs at lacelet.com or searching for Lacelet on Facebook or Instagram. Please make sure that you rate, review, and subscribe to us on your podcatcher of choice. We always love reading your reviews, and it's great to get new listeners, and the best way of doing that is for us to be getting those five-star ratings to help us move up in the, the rankings on the, the podcasts. Yeah, we haven't gotten a new review in a while, so if you continually tune in, maybe and, you should write us a review. Yeah, it's it's honestly the best way to help the podcast, and, and we, we would really appreciate it. And we also love to hear back from you because hearing you know what you think and and what you like about the podcast and what you might want to change would be would be great to hear absolutely we might not change anything (laughs) but if the thing you want changed is switching out the male co-host you know that one's probably not gonna happen no unless enough of you write in about it that's true then maybe it's possible (laughs) (laughs) i mean we're here for the people. <laughs> and if me not being here for the people is my best way of being there for the people. But what about your geeky greed? Just play video games You'll instead. funnel it somewhere else. <laughs> <laughs> well, with that, we're going to see you next week. Thanks again for listening. And until then, geek, geek out. out.